So we are now well into September and on the Riabu podcast today we're going to focus on what you should do for the rest of this year with just a couple of weeks now till Christmas and the prospect that the COVID brought, wrought slowdown is going to accompany us well into 2021. You know Simon Littlewood, I'd say that uh, December 31st people will not just be toasting to the new year but will be toasting to the fact that the old year is finally behind us. And for many SMEs and possibly you listening to this podcast and wondering as to where your future lies, of course the question is, should you see 2021 as an opportunity to restart? According to data reported by Bloomberg, many companies, especially in the United States, have been quietly going bust between March and July 25th, 80,000 such companies, according to one such statistic. And the question is, should 2021 then be the year that you restart? What do you think of this idea, Simon, of not declaring bankruptcy, especially if you don't have any debt, you just turn off the power, cancel your lease, walk away, and live to fight another day? Essentially, you fold up your tent and go somewhere else, or carry your tent on your back and wait for better times before you set it up somewhere else. Well, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, if, if you do not see that in the future you're going to be able to at the very least cover your costs and there's no prospect of growth or your business is in some fundamentally fundamental way uh, prevented from operating, it makes a lot of sense to walk away. If the choice is that you continue to incur expenditure which is eroding your working capital and therefore eroding your ability to start up again somewhere, some other time. Yeah. Now, small businesses often don't survive. You know, even in the good times, people used to say that you have a what is it, a 5% chance of surviving the first year and 1% of survive three years, or statistics along those, those lines. So the question is, given the fact, or if, if you are in that situation where you don't have any debt, you can walk away from your commitments, as I said, utilities, bills, rent, perhaps whatever staff you've had, you, you let go. Can you go into a, let's call it a pilot flame, sort of arrangement or a, you know, a hibernation arrangement where you, you haven't quite folded up the tent. You've just chased the brown bears yeah. from the door right. uh, and, and you're, you're, you're getting into the starting block to pounce again when the time is Well, back. the Riago team's been talking to CEOs over the, over the past month or two and what we essentially say is find your defensible core. A defensible core is a minimal level of activity and expenditure that will enable you, you call it the pilot flame, will enable you essentially to keep the lights on, albeit on a, a low setting, yes. uh, and not have to walk away from the business. Our concern has been with the let's hope for the best kind of approach, which says bury your head in the sand sooner or later. And the reason for that is that the wise among us, and who knows whether they're right or not, think that this is going to go on a very long time. The OECD, the most recent forecast from the OECD, says that we will gl the global economy will not get back to October 2019 levels of global GDP for at least two years. That's October 2021, yeah? 22. Indeed. Yes, we may not be good at maths. But <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> 20, well, no, it's October 2019. Oh, yes, I'm so sorry, you're right. I'm the one who's not good at maths. <laughs> but, but okay, so what does this pilot frame look like? So again, we're working on the assumption that first, you don't have any debt, because that's really the critical factor. Because if you have debt, then clearly your debtors will want to be repaid. And if they're not going to give you a repayment holiday, then you're going to have to declare bankruptcy. Yeah. But if you're in that, 
in that position where you can cancel leases, power, staff, and uh, whatever other expenses you might have, how how much gas should you feed well, into you this? You can pilot negotiate. Plan? I mean, you know, um, a landlord—it's it's not in a landlord's interest to have no rent at all, right? Um, but I agree, you need to be very careful. Um, well, it, de it depends on your on your on the level of business that you think you can get. And it's not, it's not binary, it's not can we carry on in the same way but have 20% less customers because we've talked about this. There are adjacencies, there are, you know, you can be nimble, you can do something slightly different that just keeps the lights on. I mean, we, you know, we've got lots of examples. We've got, you know, I've got a friend with a, you know, with a pharmaceutical company who's decided to make face masks, you know, which is fine. It's not very profitable because everyone's doing it. But at the end of the day, it's it's washing the company's washing its face and keeping the lights on, you know. With the face mask. Um, oh, I know, I get it, I get and it. Then, right, and then and then and then and then another one who who's doing thing who's making um, hand sanitizing stuff, which is technologically very simple, but Matt, every company is buying that. Every company that did not previously buy it is but buying that's it. That's not really pilot flame. What I'm talking no, about is where you, the entrepreneur, you're the business owner. Maybe you used to have five staff, ten mm. staff, fifty staff. Maybe you had a factory or, or, or an office somewhere. Um, how do you go about this pilot flame where, as I said, you've gotten rid of all of your commitments. You okay. have not taken the adjacencies because mm. we talked about that in another podcast. You're in a pilot flame situation. What should you keep and when do you kind of turn the gas back on? I, I understand that there are quite a few people who I know who are in that situation. Um, I think you have to accept that if you are able to survive from whatever resources you manage to conserve, you are a lot better off than a lot of people in the world. And one thing that you might want to do is to make your expertise available for people free of charge or on a largely pro bono basis. For free? Well, at the end of the day, if it's a choice between trying to build a business when no one's got any money to spend, and particularly if you're in a service business, there's no discretionary money around. Um, you can build your credibility and your network. Some, some of the people I know who've worked very, have been working very hard to do that. So what you do is you try and help people. With the kind of conversation that we're having now, practical steps to survive COVID, you talk to them, you offer them that input for free. If they want to pay for a bit of consulting or to have their people coached, that's absolutely fine. But it's quite important to have a reali realistic expectation. Um, I'm quite surprised by how aggressive some companies are, given how little money there actually is around. It's not that there isn't any cash. It's just that no one's going to be willing to invest in a sector where there clearly is no opportunity for growth. You but know? surely you have to have a grandfather clause in that. Because if you then say, I'm going to give all my, my value away for free, then once the good times return, your erstwhile uh, customers are going to expect that on an ongoing basis. I don't they? see it in those sorts of terms. As you know, my view has always been that everything every expert says can be found on the shelves of a library somewhere. You're just bringing a little bit of reassurance and expertise. But the point is that at some stage you'll want to turn back the gas, right? You'll want yeah. to get the revenue flowing again. You can't just be a charity for the rest of your life. You're going to have to, if you are going to volunteer your time and your services and your expertise, you're going to have to say, for this year only, 2020 only. Yes, I mean, I think it makes sense to do that. I mean, because you don't know and they don't know when they're likely to be able to start spending money again, you know? What um, else should you do in order to keep things on a pilot flame? Well, I think, you know, the commitment that you bring to taking out costs is very important. And I'm choosing my words very carefully because if you're genuinely committed to taking out costs, you'll have to make hard decisions. Is your objective as a business to provide a social service or is it to feed yourself and try and keep the pilot flame going. If, if the latter, then you're going to have to let go of absolutely everything and everyone that is not essential 
to keeping the pilot flame on. And that could be, in some cases, the majority of the people that you're employing, you know? That's the point. That's the whole point about the pilot flame, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So, so how far, how low do you turn this flame? Well, at the end of the Should day... You, for example, go back to school, uh, go back to taking a course of some sort while you've kept your business name registered, even if you've cut all your I costs. think teaching others and teaching yourself and broadening your network by doing both of those things is an overwhelmingly sensible way to use this, you know? It's kind of analogous to, you know, when I've talked, one of the observations I would make, and I'm, I'm in my 60s, is the opportunities when you have a professional career to actually take long breaks are very few and far between. And I say this to people frequently, because frequently executives come to me and say, oh my God, I've lost my job, I've got to find a new one, and they're, and they're stressed. And they're gonna spend a month worrying about whether or not they're gonna get employed. But in normal times, they will get employed. But they've wasted that month, that month by, by being miserable and stressed. What they, so, so the thing I would say to them under those circumstances is be, be, be comfortable that things will be okay and that you'll get work. Try and make the most of what you've currently got. Do, some, do something that you've always wanted to do. Go somewhere. Obviously, you can't do that now. Go somewhere. <laughs> uh, you know, learn something. Um, whatever it happens to be. You know, you could learn meditation in your own home. I'm doing that, as a matter of fact. Uh, you can do a lot of things via Zoom, you know. So applying that situation to that, that analogous situation to where we are now, I think it's if you find yourself on furlough, whether it's because you've shut down your own business or put, on, put it down to a pilot-like level or found your defensible core, as I like to call it, or whether it's been forced upon you because you were working for somebody else and you've been furloughed, enjoy that time you know we have our allotted span there's no point in being miserable as a result of circumstances that you can't avoid um, and if you in addition use that out of the out of the finest of motives to try and help people as much as you can using whatever knowledge you have and to learn from them i think that will make the time worthwhile and it will also help you build a network of people who appreciate you because of the fact that you've reached out to them. And I think significantly increase the probability that you'll do well when the, when the economy turns around again. Uh, I think you've got to take that view, yeah. Mm. I wonder too whether there might not be an opportunity for you to maybe develop a franchise model based on what you used to do as a sole operator, or instead of doing for others, that you teach others for how to do it themselves. Well, I think turning a physical business into a virtual business is an obvious thing to think about, you know, if it, particularly if it's a service business, you know. And, and one of the things that I've asked this question many times, but I've never really had an answer. It's very clear. It, it, traditionally, salesmen always say you've got to be in front of the customer to close a deal. And the best salesman is physically present. Well, the fact of the matter is that we're now prevented from being physically present, and yet somehow many businesses continue. At what point does virtual contact become become limiting in other words what are their things what are the things that you genuinely cannot do by zoom i don't mean now i mean in normal times i don't think we've figured out the answer to that yet and i'm sure there are many clever tools that could be brought into the virtual environment that would enable you to do many things many relationship type things virtually that previously it was thought could only be done um, face to face i think that's a very interesting area to explore and i don't know anyone that's talking about it um, everyone's kind of, well, you know, I'm a salesman and I sit, I'm just waiting for things to come back to normal. Well, what if they, ne what if they never do come back to normal? Because 70% of companies say that they're going to maintain some form of virtual working post-COVID, you know? So, so you said your point is to embrace the opportunity to put your business on pilot flame, cut costs to zero if you really can't find any revenue, use the time to 
reposition for a restart sometime in 2021. Provide people with what they need based on what you said. So it's a simple Venn diagram. The things I can be helpful with, what people need, where's the, you know, now, what's the intersection? And what, the, what people need really is two things. It's stuff they need to keep their lights on, uh, which you can help with, but it's also how can people use this downtime to grow themselves, professionally, uh, spiritually, um, and, and try and figure that out as well. So um, it's, it's easy to say and hard to do, but um, turn this from a, an imposed um, imprisonment to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to a period of growth and enlightenment. That sounds very lofty, wow. doesn't it? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to. That's what I'm trying to do. I've, I've even bought some scented candles for my living room. I mean, this is how seriously I'm taking this. Oh my goodness! <laughs> All right, uh, we'll be back at the <laughs> Turkish baths for the next round of uh, meditation rounds. Uh, thank you very much, Simon of the Wood, yeah, for, yeah. for your input. As Pleasure. always. Do you really do meditation? Uh, yeah, I've started trying to learn. Yeah. Really? What advice? Hmm. Well, I can't. No. I, uh,